Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show for free, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hey everyone, it's Kevin McHugh again with another episode of Sheer Clarity. We have a little change of pace today. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, the last several interviews have been interviews with CEOs, and I will refer to them as on the mature side. That might mean somewhere between 50 and up. But today, I have a very special guest. As you'll know, if you've been listening, at the very end of every interview, I ask a question. It's the signature question of the interview. And it says, standing where you are today, and then I make them tell us how old they are. I say, look (laughs) downstream and look at your 23-year-old self and tell us what advice you would give. Well, my guest today, that would only be about seven years ago. So I would (laughs) like to welcome Chris Bellow. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yes. I don't know. You can look back seven years and tell us it's going to be fairly fresh, but... It seems like a lifetime ago, I guess, but it's all relative, right? That's right. right. That's right. (laughs) The reason I'm just so interested in having you on the show is just to change the pace, but I also wanted people to have connection with what does a leader who's leading his own world, leading his own life, leading a life of a young entrepreneur, what does he or she have to say at this time and space in their lives? They're at the beginning of the journey. Most of the folks I speak with, we use the term halftime. It's somewhere you go in the locker room between the ages of 45 and 55 and wonder what's it all about, right? And after you and I had a chance to talk and maybe you'll promote your podcast by the time we're done here. And the fact that I was on it as well, you can lay that out. But I thought it would be absolutely wonderful to have a little change of pace and to get perspective. I was curious when I was preparing for the time with you about the, uh, am I calling you a millennial or what have you? And I found a website called Career Planner, and it has a list of the ages and the dates in which you were born. (laughs) <laughs> and if, if you were born between 1980 and 1994, you can be labeled a millennial, a Gen Y, or a Gen Next. Does that fit for you? Would you give yourself that one of does. those? Labels? I guess I fit into the millennial bucket. I mean, that's what I've been counting, you know, for the last few years. And I know we talked about this when you were on my show is that, of course, a lot of millennials get a bad rap, but I like to think that there are some of us that are driven and hungry and motivated and we understand the value of work, but we also understand the value of outsourcing and delegating things. And maybe I'm not pushing the lawnmower anymore, but I see that my time might be better spent on a higher revenue producing activity, things like that. But we can dive into all of that because yeah. I'm huge on productivity and outsourcing and all of that. I can't wait. Well, you clearly have what I call the performer gene. The people I tend to talk to and work with all have some version of it, you know, They're driven, they're achievers, they're performers, and they all have a similar story. You know, everybody may have pushed a lawnmower or shoveled some snow or was at the country club uh, caddying. There's all sorts of possibilities, but the work ethic piece 
is essential. And what I found talking to you was you felt you were awakening to how much in charge of your own life and your own happiness you really are. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your story and who the heck you are. You know, I uh, went all over the web to gather what I could, but I always like the guest to tell the story. So lay it on us. Yeah, thank you. So the short story, the quick story, I always tell people that it really starts with after I graduated from college, because up to that point, I was kind of plugged into the matrix, so to say. I was just doing what my parents told me to do and what my friends around me were doing. I went to a Catholic private school from pre-K to eighth grade. All my friends from that school, many of them were going to a Jesuit all-boys school, straight Jesuit in Houston. A lot of the girls went to St. Agnes, which was our sister school. And so I went there. And then after that, a lot of my friends were going to Texas A&M University. And so I went there. I got a supply chain degree. Supply chain management. Yes, yes. Supply chain management. And so I have some experience with working in an oil and gas company and saving money and negotiating with vendors. But three and a half years in, you know, I was all excited to get that job. I had a great signing bonus. I thought it was my dream job at that time, but I hadn't really had any goals other than to get a job out of college that paid a decent salary. But three and a half years in, I started banging my head against the wall and wondering like, hey, there's got to be more to life. You know, I can't come here and sit in this cubicle. A lot of the meetings I was a part of didn't excite me. And I was starting to wonder, is there something wrong with me? This is a huge organization, you know, hundreds and thousands of people working at this company, 600 at the location I was at alone. And everyone seems to love their position and be super excited, but I wasn't. I started to think, what could be out there outside of the cubicle, so to say. (laughs) Quit my job in April of 2017 and never looked back. I mean, I stumbled my way through a couple of side hustles and false start after false start, but I've kind of found my way in real estate now and I had started a podcast before I even got into real estate. So right now I'm a podcasting real estate agent and my podcast is not about real estate. (laughs) It's about just business and life and mindset And here I am talking to great people like you. I'm just enjoying the journey, connecting with people. I got coffee this morning. Sometimes I'm wondering, how am I getting paid to even do what I do right now? Right, right. It's fascinating because I'm now telling even my own kids, they're a little bit further ahead on the curve than you are, but I've also told other young folks, I think in this day and age, the idea of having a job is changing you actually should be thinking of yourself as an independent contractor. And the term employee is just a state because when you go in to get the job, you're still going to be expected to stand on your own two feet, do what you're supposed to do, meet your goal, get your quota, whatever the productivity measurements are, but you need to feel a sense of independence. I have to create value. That's what I do. And it's nothing wrong with creating value inside an organization and signing on into a position, but you certainly do lose one thing that I think is a theme I'm hearing with you. And you can tell me if I'm in the right zip code. There was something missing. You wanted to get outside the cube. Reminded me that other phrase, think outside the box. You were were saying, (laughs) I'm getting outside the cube. So perhaps you might be a motivation today to anybody who's feeling that closed in. 
But I always thought it was about an issue of wanting to be in control of my destiny. And I was wondering if that resonated for you at all. Did you sense that when you were in that process of knowing, I just don't know if this feels exciting? Were you aware that maybe you're the kind of person who needs to feel in control of your life? That definitely resonates with me. And it's funny that you mentioned the cubicle thing, because I remember in the oil and gas company that I worked at, someone jokingly had one of those signs on the outside of the cubicle saying, how am I supposed to think outside the box when I work inside a cubicle? (laughs) (laughs) And I was laughing at that and I posted it on social media, but I made the sad realization that, yeah, that's true. You know, we're all in these cubicles you know, I've got a micromanager breathing down my neck. If I come in five minutes late to work, do I have to clock in or clock out to use the restroom? You know, it felt like kindergarten sometimes where I was just being supervised. And I just read a couple books that made me start to shift my paradigm about if I'm adding value, I don't see why I should be here physically for eight or nine hours for a certain work day. And again, I had mentioned I wasn't fulfilled in my work. I wasn't excited to come in and I can remember everything, the bright white lights, the tools on the shop floor that I wasn't really interested or didn't understand how they worked. And I wanted to create content, you know, have conversations, be a YouTuber, all those different things. Yeah. Have you ever done any of the behavioral assessments like DISC and all that good stuff? (laughs) I have. I have. Did you see any of this when you were doing some of these assessments? So the interesting thing is that I never even thought to really do any of those things or check my personality when I was in the role. But after when the self-development journey began, that's when I started to see a therapist and get behavioral assessments like the DISC profile. I haven't done the DISC in a while, but I believe when I last did, I was a strong I and a little bit of a D where I'm very social. I can get work done when I need to and focus, but I can talk to somebody about their poodle for 30 minutes and honestly be engaged and interested in the conversation. Right, right. Makes you a great guest, by the way. I love it. Thank <laughs> I you. Get, I, I'm, I get out here, of I'm present with you. Yeah, and I know. And I think the Enneagram, are you familiar with the Enneagram? I am. And I don't remember. I feel like I'm an eight or nine or something like that. But and there's so many out there. But my therapist suggested I take that one. And I'm a seven on there, I believe. And there's a funny meme that shows, I guess, Yoda on someone's back. I forget. My girlfriend's going to kill me because she's a huge Star Wars fan. And I'm forgetting, uh, I guess it was Luke, Luke Skywalker, I think. And Yoda's on his back. And it's just like him. He's looking very stressed out because he's doing something fun, but there's something more fun that he could be doing. Yeah, That's how I am where I'm like, yeah, I'm on this amazing trip. But what if I was surfing in Hawaii versus indoor skydiving? There's always something else. And so that's kind of how I see myself as that personality. I love to connect with people, but I'm always wondering what's next. Is the grass greener over there? Can I do more? So I'm trying to calm myself down from that and be happy in the present moment instead of always delaying gratification. Good luck with that because I'm working on with 50 and 60 year olds trying to get them to the same same place. I hope I don't have to wait, you know, 20 or 30 more years to figure that out. I'm trying to work on very intentional. Well, you know, the performer gene. You know, there's no particular personality style or set of preferences that we ever want to make a judgment about. It just is, right? And it's neither good nor bad. In fact, it's always some combination of both. And a lot of my work in coaching is getting people connected with themselves, the way they are wired. And that's 
very complicated. There's a lot that goes into it. And I'm sure if you're in therapeutic process at this early age, you'll be ahead of the class on this journey of self-awareness. You know, you start discovering the inputs from the time you came out of the womb, you know, there was data coming at you, there was a world, and you were getting some programming, and that programming is very powerful, it's sort of like your core operating system. And the more you know about it, the more in touch with yourself you are, and that puts you in a position to start being conscious. And you can make decisions with a little more clarity. That's the whole idea of the podcast. Your clarity is more clarity about what are the things that are actually underneath my impulses, my thinking, my emotions, and getting in touch with that. And so I'm impressed that you're doing it early on. When you were talking about working in the big company and you were feeling that cube kind of confinement, you must have a lot of contemporaries in your circle, especially since you're a fairly social guy. I'm sure not all of them are doing what you're doing, that they are back in the other system, you know? And I'd be curious if you have observations about your peers. What are 30-somethings really about and what are they thinking and where are they headed and how does some of your peers regard what they're doing compared to what you're doing? And I just think it'd be interesting to hear from somebody who's living it, you know? That's a great question because there's different perspectives we can learn from, I mean, different generations, really. I think we mentioned this when you were on my show or when we connected last, I'm on a weekly call and we've got people of different ages. And so I learned so much from them. And they mentioned that they're honored to have a 30-year-old to grace them with their millennial presence to give them some insight into what the (laughs) heck we're thinking. And to answer your question, I have a lot of counterparts or friends that are plugged into that system of corporate America. And I'm on LinkedIn constantly seeing promotions and job changes and everyone's saying, congratulations, you know, you got promoted from something to manager or manager to senior manager. And to me, it just, that never appealed to me. But a lot of my peers are very into that. Let me rise up the corporate ladder. Let me change a couple of companies to get a bump in my pay and maybe an extra week of vacation because it's comfortable. It's a good job. Maybe it pays well. They've got insurance. They've got benefits. They've got security. And there are a few friends that I'm starting to make now that they didn't really care about all those things. They preferred the freedom instead of having the best insurance plan. They wanted to be able to go backpacking in Europe for you know one month if they so pleased without having to get sick at work or something because most roles won't give you that kind of time and flexibility, right? So it's really all over the place. But I think a lot of millennials are starting to value, hey, this is my life. I can't just wait until I retire to do all these things. I want to be doing that now. Yeah. As you're talking, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the position that most of my contemporaries are in and most of the clients I work with. And I'm wondering if today I was starting a business or I went in to run a business and I looked at the demographics of my employees and I realized there's a grouping, let's say, between the 25 and 35 category, right? These are your young guns. These are the people you're want to stimulate and motivate. And I'm just wondering if you can comment on If you were advising me, right, like to create a culture where people didn't have that 
boxed-in cube feeling, and I wasn't wowing them with security issues, a great paycheck and a great health care. I feel like today that's pay to play. Like that's a given. You better have things that stack up against the other employers who are trying to attract talent. It's a given. So there has to be something else. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how would you advise me if I told you, hey, I need some help, man, I'm going into a company, I'm taking over, maybe it's a little turnaround, there's 250 people and a third of them are under 35 or what would you, what would you tell me, man? <laughs> so I hear this all the time and it's true that a lot of younger people in the workforce, they're very mission and values driven. They want to have an impact. They want to know that their work directly benefits some kind of organization Maybe they're more prone to volunteering type efforts and things like that. I actually did end up after quitting the oil and gas job, after falling on my face from idea to idea, I had a stint where I joined a company for about a year and it wasn't a big company. It was a small startup field company owned by two 32 or 33 year olds here in town in investment real estate. That's how I got my foot in the door. And I really loved the culture there and what they did. I mean, you know, the owners were four or five years older than me. They had really cool Grant Cardone posters, like money is your responsibility, duty, and obligation. They had these things that really aligned with my mindset for achieving more, to be more, to improve myself as a person. And they were very flexible with things. If you were hitting your goals, I mean, I could come in late. I could go work out anytime. I could bring my dog to the office, right? Those types of things. And so I really did appreciate those things where I felt like, this doesn't even feel like a job to me. This feels like something I would do on my own. And I feel comfortable coming here. Even if I'm 10 minutes late or 15 minutes late, I know the owner's not going to be like looking at his watch and looking at me like, oh man, you're 10 minutes late. He's like, hey, did you close your deals this month? Did you yes, perform? Then I don't care. Yes, yes, yes. So I really valued that, that they cared more about performance and that you showed up and gave your all than the actual amount of hours that your butt was in the chair. Yep. I remember vividly when I joined a company as a sales manager, it was a family-owned operation, and the old man, as we would like to call him, <laughs> one day, I had only been there a week or two, and he took me to the back door and said, watch this, and then counted the hours of people coming in. But I have this feeling that you represent the future. I mean, it's fair, Right. You know, 30 years from now, you're the 60-year-old in the room. And I'm just curious about, as you looked at the culture, and you talked about things like meaning and a sense of accomplishment and a culture that was flexible. I think of the word autonomy and freedom, and they were focused on get the work done, and we don't care how. Is that a fair synopsis of what you're saying? Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm saying. And I know it can be difficult because how do you really know the output of work? And a perfect example of just how lenient I am, maybe I'm a little too lenient. I have some virtual assistants and it's all trust-based. You know, They tell me how much time they spent on certain tasks. I kind of take a glance at it. If anything looks fishy, I might ask, like, did this thing really take three hours? But Within reason, I mean, if they're getting their work done, they're doing a good job, they're making an effort, they're asking me how they can improve. If they were to fudge one or two hours and I pay them five or $10 more, 
I wouldn't be upset about that because overall the benefit to me is outweighing what I'm actually spending in a way. And so that just didn't click with me that if I could finish in four hours what took somebody else eight hours to do in the corporate world, why do I have to do four more hours of work and stay here? Otherwise, I'm frowned upon if I leave before five o'clock. Right, right. Right. It just didn't make sense to me. Do you think the new remote phenomenon is going to aid the advancement in that category? Because now, even if you were in the most old-fashioned of systems, you can't see somebody out their desk or somebody working. I think that's really going to help. And I mean, I've heard people talk about it in articles about that, where a lot of companies are just going to stay mostly remote or offer maybe one day a week where you can stay remote, even after things open back up and people go back into the office. And I think that as long as there's certain metrics that they're tracking, if you're achieving your targets, for example, if you're in sales, I know salespeople usually have flexibility and leniency because if you're performing and you match the culture, you're not toxic, you've got a good attitude, people love to keep you around and you don't even have to come into the office really maybe once a week for a team meeting because they know you're out there pounding the pavement and making things happen. Now, if you're an hourly or salary type person where maybe they're not really sure, like, what do you do? How do you track that? They may have to develop better ways of actually managing that if you're working from home because I do have plenty of friends that have a full-time job working remotely and they're working on their side business or their websites, maybe on company time, there's really no way to track that, right? So there's some gray area there. Are they abusing it? Are they getting their work done and then going to their own thing? I'm not sure. You know, things are going to change with the whole COVID situation because people love to stay at home. Absolutely, absolutely. So as you were talking about people at work, and I've talked earlier about the performance gene. I was curious, if you were to look around at yourself and your peers, what would you say if I asked a room full of them, what they were most challenged by in life, in the way they see the world? And I'd be curious how they would answer that. You know, my assumption is when you're 30, you're pretty focused on just making your money and getting your place your way in the world. But it's just, it doesn't mean you don't think about bigger picture or think about the direction of the world. And I was just curious what you're thinking these days and how people you hang out with are thinking about the world and the cosmos. It's actually shifted quite a bit because when I was working in oil and gas, I started to have those entrepreneurial seeds be planted in my mind because I'd be sitting there on the computer doing my work. I did air quotes for anyone not watching the video, doing my work, you know, really in another spot in my mind, just daydreaming about where I'd rather be and what I'd rather be doing and the amazing businesses I would start. And so that's where that seed started to be planted. So a lot of the people that I worked with there, they had a different mentality entirely than the one I started to develop. And so if I went back to the people that I knew who are still there, they're very much in the, ooh, the senior vice president of this wants this, so I'm going to work on it until midnight. I was never about that. I was like, well, if I'm going to work that late for someone, I'm going to do it for myself. Because like you said, we're all independent contractors. This person could lay me off in three months and I would have wasted so many nights working till midnight for nothing. 
So that was my mentality. Now the people I surround myself with, and I may have mentioned on the caller before we hit record, I met up with two entrepreneurial friends. They both own businesses here in Houston. They're both thriving and growing. And it's a very different conversation. They're both similar age as me, maybe 29, 30. One might be 31. I'm not sure. We're all in that same age bracket. And we're business owners, self-employed. We were meeting for coffee for almost two hours this morning on a Tuesday while other people are at work in offices or working online or having to do Zoom calls, right? Yes. And so it's different conversation now, but the peers that I hang out with now think very similarly. How do I use leverage to build a business where I'm kind of delegating things and managing from the top without having to just trade more of my personal time? That way I can go travel more and go do more fun things and read more books or whatever, you know, hang out with the family more, whatever it is that you want to do. What do you guys talk about? When you're not talking about your business, because I'm sure it's the topic that's easiest. I'm trying to picture a group of 30-something entrepreneurs, you know, who have just gotten out of the corporate system and we're all, (laughs) your energy has to be pretty intense about what we're doing, where we're headed, where we're going. Do you guys ever get more philosophical about things or the big picture or the dream state or your worldview? We do. We do at times. That's a really good question because it can be very easy to get stuck in just talking about business and, oh, we had you know X percentage year over year growth. And those things can be very cool and impressive to talk about. But we also dive into the more of the therapeutic side, like, hey, this is happening in my life or, hey, my girlfriend and I weren't doing so great. You know, She told me she didn't want anything for Valentine's Day. I took it literally. And I got in trouble because I didn't even get her chocolates. <laughs> That's me telling on myself. I did that this last Valentine's Day. Do not recommend it. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about those things and we'll say, hey, what is the meaning of life to you? What is your purpose? One friend asked me that, like, Chris, like, what is your goal? Like, are you trying to only work three hours a day? Like, do you want to just hang out? You know, are you trying to make a certain amount a month or are you trying to do a certain number of experiences a month? And so, we're trying to really find that thing. Like, what is our purpose? What is our dream state? It's not all about the money. It's about more of like the freedom to be able to do things like travel with family, make impact, uh, contribute to charities, those types of things without being a slave to your business. And so I like to have long answers, but the short answer is we do talk about things other than just business. We talk about life, relationships, family. I don't have any kids personally at the moment, but a lot of people in my mastermind, we have five or six guys that meet once a month. They do. And so they'll be able to talk with each other about, hey, how are you raising your kids? What kind of values are you teaching them? If they fall, are you teaching them to get up and dust themselves off? Or are you kind of pampering them? That type of thing, right? Right. right. So since we're on the topic, how would you answer the question? What is your purpose as you currently articulate it? That is a really good question. And right before we talked about this, I talked to two other entrepreneurs on my podcast and I was asking them, what is their purpose of their business? Because that's something I'm working on figuring out for myself. Uh, Yeah. Not about the business. Yeah. It's not about the business. What about you, your purpose of your life? So that's the thing is that I haven't taken the time to define that. But if I had to articulate it now, just off the top of my mind, Uh, My purpose of my life is just to positively impact the most people out there by setting the example myself, doing the things that I say I will do, 
holding myself accountable while having a really good time doing it and enjoying myself. I mean, I've been going skydiving and traveling and indoor skydiving lately, taking dates to just walk by myself. I'm having a blast. I felt guilty the other day. I told someone, I feel like I'm living my purpose and I need to actually do a better job of defining that and putting it down on paper in front of me on my computer screen to see daily. Yeah. I had a podcast. The guest was a guy by the name of Mike Swiger, who at the age of 19 found himself in prison for accessory to murder. His brother beat up a guy so badly he passed away and Mike lied about it. He talks about it in the podcast. But one of the things that he left the podcast with it when he was in his cell, and this is 19, you want to talk about self-awareness questions. He was just looking up at the ceiling going, how the heck did I get here? Who the heck am I? And where the heck am I even going? And one of the things he said was, I'd advise people to answer that question as soon as they can. Do not, do not wait until you're 50 or 60, waking up with an entire life behind you saying, what the heck is it all about anyway? At that point, you're on the downhill slope. And so I guess I'm giving you encouragement at your age 30 and you're buds when you get together the next time to ask that question in its deepest possible way. What is the purpose of my life from the time I am today until the time I pass away? What is the ultimate North Star? What am I aiming for in the macroscopic sense my life, my one little tiny clump of human cells moving through the planet, what is the ultimate purpose? Where am I headed? That's a definitely an existential question. Yes, sir. So many of us are blindly going through life just one day at a time without goals. I mean, I've come a long way since I quit the job, but I have a lot more to go. And that's something I just wrote down right now. That's my homework. What is the purpose of my life? The ultimate North Star. I think that's like the biggest question we could possibly ask ourselves. There, yeah, I there isn't it. a bigger one. And I love it. <laughs> By the that's way, a great it, question. it's a showstopper, you know, at the cocktail party. Like what? Oh, yeah. That's a sobering question. I just want to talk about how the Browns did last week. <laughs> it's like, seriously, it's a great way to sort of get people to walk away from you. And, and what you're left with is a few of the nerds who want to You'll be, attract the people that you like to hang that's out That's right. With, All the deep thinkers will come over if there are any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been to a few parties where I just not the type of the conversations that I have anymore. And it's just very hard to relate to people sometimes. I can no longer do keg stands and play beer pong for three hours. It's just not of interest. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So not to let you get off the hook too quickly on the purpose question, what's your first instinct? You know, you have made homework for yourself to go sit and reflect, and it's a little unfair for me to push, but that's what I do. This helps me. No, that's great. 
what's your first impulse to say when you start that question? The ultimate purpose of Chris Bellow's life, the North Star, is? Hmm. The first thing, just through my podcast, I mean, I love connecting with people and mentoring people. So I'd say my purpose is just to teach as many young entrepreneurs or young people, I guess. Young is relative. Maybe young in their journey of self-awareness to realize that there's more that they have the power to change their lives and that they have the resources available to do it. So I think that's kind of what I feel. Let's work with that. I love it. The thing that I was struck by, I was, I don't know who I was talking to recently, but it was a friend of mine and he happened to mention Zig Ziglar, I guess is an icon in the sales training world. And he just said to me, I'll remember the conference I went to where he just made the point, you're not selling, you're helping someone. And he said, it changed everything, everything. Like, if I don't believe I can actually help you, then you're not a prospect and I shouldn't waste another moment of your time. And it's all about the other person. Of course, the byproduct includes you're not going to waste your time. But if you enter in that state of it's about me and what I want and getting this sale for my reasons to get up on the leaderboard, to bank some more, you know, on the big deal, I believe energetically the potential customer is actually going to sense that. But if there's a genuine sense of I'm actually here because I want to help you, why? Because it's just what I do. I get great value from feeling I've helped someone. And I sort of was reading that into your answer. You use the term connecting. You use the term mentoring and coaching and inspiration. And so all of those seem like synonymous with the broader category of helping. I was just curious how that resonates. That really does. I mean, a perfect example. Yesterday, someone connected with me on Instagram. Somehow they followed me. I don't know this person. I've never met him. And he just asked me a question. He sent me an email. Hey, Chris, I'm getting my real estate license. I know you're a busy guy. I follow you. Just wanted to see if you could help me. I'd really appreciate it. I'm not asking for a call, but anything. I'm willing to take anything you'll give me. I sent him a booking link for 15 minutes yesterday. He gave me his number and set up a time. And we actually ended up talking for about 25 or 30 minutes. I gave him everything I could, all the tips that I could give. And he was really appreciative. And I told him, like, I just love helping people. I don't know if this will benefit me in any way down the future. And that's not why I'm doing it. It just feels good to help. And I kind of made a new friend there where we're going to plan on getting coffee and staying in touch. And again, it's I'm not doing this just trying to get a deal out of it. It's just another relationship. And hopefully I set a good example by doing what it is that I say I do. I just connect with people, add value, and I know it'll come back eventually because I'm not looking for it. Yeah. A lot of my time in the corporate settings where I'm doing the team development stuff, it really is trying to help 
people cultivate a sense of trusting each other and helping each other. And unfortunately, all of our human foibles and character flaws get in the way and we become prideful and controlling. And once you've been labeled as somebody that can't be trusted by another person, you've lost a whole lot of relational capital. And rebuilding that is a brutal slog. It's a a brutal slog. But I'm usually asking people, what do you need to do to yourself to get a sort of calmness and peace to you so that you aren't self-seeking and can freely be giving and helpful for its own sake and just let the chips fall after that? And that kind of attitude is attractive. But to get there requires a reasonable amount of emotional maturity. Being conscious, that's again, you know, an echo of confirmation that you were not shy about saying, oh yeah, I'm doing some therapy. I'm getting a guide to go into the darker regions of my mind and consciousness to help me get a little clarity about what's going on in there. Who am I? Why am I reacting this way or that way? And I think it's amazing. And there's no shame in it. And that's what I love about, I think, I hope it's the 30-somethings as a category would be more open to this. There's no stigma. When you get into the 60 and over, there's still an old-fashioned stigma. Like, I don't need no stinking counseling, man. (laughs) Uh, Like, that's for people who are bipolar or depressed or schizophrenic. I'm fine give me another martini, you know, (laughs) it's really, really powerful to hear you talk about it so that your genuine sense of helping is guiding you. It's pretty cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. And if I might just touch on that, can I say something? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that with millennials and everyone who grew up with technology and social media, We were exposed to so much so quickly where, sure, we get distracted and addicted to our phones sometimes, but we also have so much information available. Whereas, you know, even my parents, they tell me about the library system where they have the whole punch cards to find books. I'm like, that's crazy. I can literally just say, Alexa, what's the weather outside? Or why is the sky blue? I can ask any question and get the actual answer within seconds now. And I think that plays a huge part into learning more, consuming more content and realizing that, hey, you know, I have friends that are doing therapy. This is okay. And I can normalize it a lot easier than maybe my parents would have. You know, they still think I'm wasting my money paying a therapist. They're like, (laughs) why are you doing that? You could talk to us. And I'm like, you guys are missing the point. No, you're the ones I talk about in therapy. (laughs) I know. I'm like, hey, that's exactly why I need it, you know? So I just wanted to chime in on that, that I think it's really something that we're exposed to so much information that we're willing to seek more and learn more about ourselves as well. Have you noticed a downside to that instantaneous gratification, instantaneous answers? Can you chime in on that? (laughs) Absolutely. So I like to call this the microwave mentality because millennials specifically, younger people, I mean, even now kids have phones when they're born, basically. We're so used to getting information at our fingertips that the idea of working hard for longer than one or two months to get something becomes crazy to us. And so I know that's one of the biggest differences. I saw the documentary about The Last Dance. Michael Jordan 
and how it was so amazing that he grew that global audience because he didn't have social media. He didn't have those platforms. He just played the game as best as he could. Whereas now we've got social media influencers who've never really done anything. They've just posted a lot on social media that have grown that. So we're so used to getting things so quickly that it's difficult to stick with something long enough to make it successful. So what you just stimulated, I'm actually, I was seeing if I can find it right now. Somebody I talked to this morning mentioned a study that Notre Dame has been doing since 1980-something on colleges, and it's a study on empathy. The research paper that recently came out that's been studying it over time longitudinally has now concluded that there's been close to a 50% decline in a measurement of empathy in students on the campus today. I think they're seniors compared to 10 or 15 years ago. That's alarming. That's really, really alarming. I mean, many people come by empathy naturally. As you know, you have one of those genes, right? It even shows up in your assessments. Eye scores on DISC are generally people who are empathetic. But I'm wondering if there's a corresponding challenge when most people are really communicating digitally and they're not physically present to learn how to notice body language, energy, noticing a frown. There's nothing on a text message that tells you what to read into it, which is why we end up having to go, how many text chains have there been? That's not what I meant. No, like you can see it. And so you're growing up in a culture at a time when you, your norm is ask Alexa what the weather is and you get an answer. That's true. That's very true. I'm wondering if you guys are conscious of this disconnect that can happen when you try to have relationships that have meaning and substance and empathy when it's purely via a device. Absolutely. And I mean, that's one thing that I've talked to my therapist too and my parents. It's like, I don't know if it's the high performer gene where I can be a little cold sometimes. I mean, I'm empathetic. I love to connect with people, but I kind of mentioned to my therapist, I was like, Hey, is something wrong with me? Like I feel like if I lost someone close to me or something happened or my girlfriend of three and a half years left me, I would be weirdly okay the next day, be able to get my workout in, maybe compartmentalizing. I just feel like I'm in that space where I love people. Like I love connecting, but I can move forward if I have to, like I will push through to the end. If tomorrow's my last day on this planet, I'm going to go out while I'm getting my workout in as the comet comes into the, <laughs> through the roof, you know, like I'm going to hit that max on my bench press. Like I just feel like that. And so I don't know. I mean, the empathy thing definitely resonates with me to an extent, even though it's weird because I do love to connect with people. I can feel a little bit of that issue with myself. Well, again, you come by it naturally, but there also might be something about you that's not as easily explained by some natural behavioral assessment, right? It's like, it's a combination of many, many, many factors which bring us to this state that we're in. If you wanted to project yourself into the future, I'm going to use my question in reverse, and I want you to go upstream, and when you're 50... 
I want you to be able to sort of project to your 50-year-old self, what would you like to be saying about your life? So I just finished watching The Last Dance. That's why that's on the top of my mind. But I know I'm kind of digressing, but there's a scene where Michael Jordan is there and he gets up and he's smiling about the whole documentary, which was his life. And that really resonated with me because when I'm 50, I want to be able to look back at my career, everything that I did, all the lives that I impacted, the podcast guests that I connected with. And I want to be able to have that little smirk on my face like he did, knowing the impact that I had, knowing that I positively made a difference in the lives of hopefully millions of people. And just to know and have that feeling that I kind of did what my life purpose was, you know, I made that impact. And I was the example of the role model that I'm trying to be like that. I was that person. So let me walk into a little deeper territory. So if I want to make a difference, okay, I don't know what that means. (laughs) So I want you to see if you can do a little more specifically. What would you want them to say? You could end up with, well, he made a difference in my life. And then I would have a follow-up question, how so and in what way? How would you answer? Like, So that's a really good question. It can be difficult to measure. I'm pulling up my Instagram now just to go through some of the recent messages that I've had as an example. I mean, some people have mentioned things to me. They've sent me emails. Chris, you changed my life. I quit my job. I started this company wow, because so I listened cool. to your podcast. I've gotten those examples. And I'm like... I hope that things worked out because I know COVID kind of threw a little wrench in some of the uh, brick and mortar. But the fact that I impacted someone, here's another guy. He's a barber in Amsterdam. He follows me. We've exchanged several messages and he replied to a haircut picture and he's like, hey, you should get a fade. And we started talking a little bit. (laughs) And he said, if you ever need advice, just holler at me. Maybe one day I can give you a haircut in Amsterdam. And this was literally today. I was like, thanks, bro. That would be so dope. I'm talking, you know, millennial talk. I love how my podcast has allowed me to connect globally. I'll definitely take you up when I visit Amsterdam someday. And so that I feel is that connection where I've made a friend that I have no idea who he is other than that he listened to my podcast and connected to me. And we've also exchanged so many messages. He'll ask me for advice. And I told him, hey, if you're at capacity at your barber studio, You've got to hire more help. You've got to outsource, delegate. You shouldn't be the one cutting everyone's hair. You should be the one planning and automating and setting up systems. And so I like to think that, for example, in his life, I made a difference. And I do that all the time with people who connect with me. And so I hope that was a good example of how I feel I think like it's I perfect. It. I would add, I want to be the guy who's known for making a positive difference in the way people approach their lives in taking the time doing the things that aren't scalable sometimes you know the one-on-one messaging with the person in amsterdam who i've never met right that's beautiful absolutely fantastic this like time went like zip to me i know i'm like time's up (laughs) are you kidding me because i think what i have to do is put you back on the roster I'd love to come back. We could do like a year interval and we'll go back and listen to the whole podcast. (laughs) We'll ask, okay, what happened in the last 12 months? That would be really cool. Wouldn't that be cool? Like way out, like check in. So tell any of the listeners how they can find you. Tell us how we can be of service to you. How can we help you? Because you are clearly a helper in the world 
And I know I signed up for that. I told you that when we last engaged that you can consider me a helper in your Thank life you. with the same ways you're going to help me. So tell people where to reach you, get a hold of you, and then I'll close up the show. Really appreciate that. So you can definitely check out my podcast, which is, of course, where we connected as well. I think that episode is going live here soon. I'll definitely send you the links when they do. And that podcast is called the Entrepreneur Motivation Podcast. I've been doing it for over three years. I've got over 50,000 monthly downloads and it keeps on growing. Alternatively, I'm most active on the Instagram platform. If you go to chrisbellow09, you can reach out. I'm very responsive in my direct messages. And then if you'd like a free guide on productivity hacks that I recommend, I'm very big on productivity and outsourcing. If you go to chrisbello, B-E-L-L-O.com slash free, you can get that copy and connect with me. And like I said, I message as many people as I can, and I really appreciate anyone reaching out and for your time today as well, Kevin. You bet, buddy. Well, you are a blessing to me personally and certainly are a blessing to uh, the people who hear this podcast. So I want to wrap up, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Another episode of Sheer Clarity. If you want to learn more about the podcast and what we have to say, you can go to the website. It's jkevinmchugh.com or you can go sheerclarity.com and you'll find everything you wanted to know out there and listen to more episodes. I'll be back soon with another episode with top business leaders who want to become leaders by attraction. Take care and we'll see you next time.